And um, we had verse one through four that became a part one and a part two that revolved around verse four, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Um, We've seen that, again, this is the end of that tribulation and we see the judgment coming on this Babylonian one world system that's even rapidly rising up right now that will rule the day for seven years in the great tribulation, especially there in the second half. The Antichrist is given more power even in that time. And there in chapter 17, we saw the fall of the one world religious system that again, remember in the first half of the tribulation, the beast, the Antichrist partners with. Uh, They really use one another to promote one another, uh, to, you know, lift up one another the antichrist uses this ecumenical generic god world religious system that just so rapidly becoming the lie of the day to be endorsed by uh and again we know that that system rides the beast it's the harlot on the beast saying look at me you know and it's just sad how even so much of christianity has become that a a celebrity christianity where uh, even so much compromise for the name of nickels and noses. And it's really even been tragic. It just seems like more and more those uh, efforts are imploding. And uh, I know the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, even just recently a bombshell report similar to the things that went on Roman Catholicism as far as sexual abuses and those types of things. And that that happens when ministries are led by the flesh and it's about nickels and noses and fame and there's a lack of fear of God and then people start getting used as pawns and abuses and so forth. And I don't know if there's ever been a time uh, so wicked uh, in the world as this time. And so we do know there in the tribulation there in that first half, there's gonna be a partnering of this ecumenical which means you know it's the idea of all religions coming together which is so contradictory to the scripture because jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life and no one comes of the father but by me and so it will even be made up of those that claim to be christians that have not come to the father through the lord jesus christ in fact i believe there'll be a main player in it along with others and then we saw though um there at the midway through the tribulation when the antichrist declares himself to be god does that abomination in the temple that brings desolation a a great persecution against the jews that he'll also devour that harlot and chapter 17 is all about that that mystery babylon that started there in the plain of shinar we read about it in genesis 11 when men gathered together to make a name for themselves And uh, then as they were scattered, they took their occultic practices out to all of the world. So we saw her, you know, judgment there in chapter 17. And then, of course, chapter 18 is the one world economy, the one world, you know, an economic system that, again, we see rapidly rising up that especially in the second half of the tribulation will all be brought under the the umbrella of, of the antichrist where the mark of the beast will be instituted and you'll have to have that 
to buy or sell. And we talked about the fact that so many will flock to that thinking, oh, life is here and you know, this is where we are gonna be able to be preserved. And yet we saw that in the tribulation, those that take that mark, there's a great judgment that comes upon them, sores that break out and it's related to a parasite. And it seems that, you know, at that mark is something the body's gonna reject. Uh, I believe in a couple weeks, the week of vacation Bible school, we are gonna show a, 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 a video that night. Last year during vacation, I'm not off topic here. Last, like, where, what's it going here? No. Last week, or last year in vacation Bible school, we showed a, a video called The Last Religion that talked about singularity and this merging of men and machine. What we're gonna show here in a few weeks during vacation Bible school is The Last Religion Part Two. And it really goes into this idea of that mark being something that alters the DNA and the promise of men being godlike and being promised some sort of eternal life. And look at this, and I've talked so much about this. I'm by no means an expert in it, but I do follow this stuff. You know, these guys are promoting the idea now of your conscience being uploaded you know, and you having like an eternal existence through some hard drive now. And then we saw in the book of Daniel where it talks about that last kingdom, iron and clay trying to mix, metal and men trying to mix. And yet it says that it doesn't take. The Lord doesn't allow it to take. And so we know this economic system, again, that mark's gonna come. And it seems that it's gonna be probably put forth as a promise of hope to a people that are just gonna be battered for those first three and a half years of that tribulation because there are, are seal judgments, trumpet judgments. There's, there's wrath being poured out on them to get their attention in that time. And again, we know Satan's kicked out of heaven, the midway point, the Antichrist ups his game. The one world religion is taken out. Satanism is implemented out in the open, you know, a worship of the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. And that mark is instituted as well as the worship of the beast instead of this ecumenical system. And yet again, sores break out. Uh, They seek death, they can't find it. Darkness comes on their kingdom. They gnaw their tongues. And I've said this throughout this. That's a picture of sin. Satan always promises something through sin that it never gets delivered. There's a, a, a temporary pleasure, but the end is always death. And that's gonna be the case with that mark. And then finally at the end, there at the end of the tribulation, she's gonna completely implode. And that's what this chapter 18's about. We again keyed in on those first two studies, this call to come out of her. And we looked at the call by Christ to be in the world, but not to be of it. We, ha- we don't have a call to be hermits somewhere. We don't got a call to say self-preservation. Let me get away from everyone as far as I possibly can. And I know that's God's will for me. That's not God's will for you. No matter where he sends you, look at if that includes not being around people, you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that. Because we're here to minister to people. We're here to represent the Lord. We're here to be different than the world to be in it but not to be of it. And so again, come out of her lest you shear in her sins and receive of her plagues. And so last week, we began to look more deeply at her sins here in verse five through 14. We got down to about verse seven. And so we're gonna recap that. 
And then, Lord willing, we go from 8 to 14, where it gets into specifically the things that they most valued that the merchants bought and sold and really worshiped. And we're gonna spend a little time here talking about the thing listed that was the least valuable to them, uh, bodies and the souls of men. And I wanna take a little time to talk about human trafficking and child abuse that just is running amok in our world today. Look at anyone fixated on slavery in the 1860s. You need to wake up because it's alive and well in the world today. And if you're just talking about that, which our nation was one of the first to overthrow that, doesn't justify the sins of that. But if you're fixated on that and not up to date what's going today, you gotta wake up because it is running. There's more slaves in the world today than probably any other time in the history of the world. Uh, this, own, this, this community that we are in, uh, it's notorious for sex trafficking for kids disappearing, teenagers disappearing. This ain't something that's off over there. And the Bible speaks of it and speaks of it of being predominant at the end of the age. And no doubt, this is gonna be something that increases more and more and more and more. And again, notice verse five, speaking of the system, for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Look at these are gross sins that no doubt as they're stacked up as they're, when they're not repented of and washed away by the shed blood of the Lamb, aren't you glad that the Lord washes us of our sins through faith in Him? Otherwise, we're all in trouble. But as these sins stack up and it seems these sins are being, you know, they're getting more and more egregious before the Lord. And, um, you know, I'll just touch on it briefly, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll get back here into, into the human trafficking things and so forth. But again, our sins reach to heaven you know, we talked about, we, you know, last we just marveled at the heights of heaven. <laughs> you know, heaven's so high. God's thoughts are so above ours. His ways are so above ours as heaven is above the earth. But eventually you're gonna reach it one way or another, either through, you know, your sins finally being to that place where you've so taken advantage of God's mercy, wrath is stored up against you and now it's time to die and give an account for that or you get to enter into heaven through letting Jesus Christ atone for your sins and wash you of your sins. It's camp A and B. There's no other, you know what, camps out there. And again, God is so gracious and merciful, but how can anyone with any fear of God, with any reverence of the scripture, whose head's not buried in the sand, not look around the world today and just go, man, we are headed near, this world is headed near the judgment of the Lord. I mean, sin's reaching heaven. So much innocent bloodshed, even just through, you know, the satanic practice of abortion and wanting to stretch that out now till even after the baby comes out of the womb. And again, I always say in that, Satan is a killer, a taker of life. Our God is a restorer of life, a forgiver of sins and so forth. And praise God for how many have been washed and forgiven of those things that are now even crusaders for life in that area. And I just thank the Lord for that. But you can't be a nation that goes from saying, you know, pro-choice to we're pro-abortion and we're even gonna rejoice in these things and celebrate these things and not expect for there to be a judgment that eventually comes. Look at when blood spilled on a land, judgment comes. 
And then you just look at the gross sexual immorality in the world today and in our culture where there's no shame anymore on these things. And again, we talk so much about this, the, the abandoning of the original ordinances of even God saying from the beginning, I made them male and female. And now men who say, well, we know better than you and we go by science. You know what? You might be a man outwardly, but inwardly you're a woman. And if you dare question it, boy, how dare you? You know, look, question those things. Don't, be, don't, don't care about what God haters say about you. Care about what God says about you because I'll tell you, the truth liberates people. It absolutely does. There's a lot, a lot of young people. If you're just the one that stands up and tells them the truth. Don't discount the power of that. Don't discount the power of a prophetic word spoken in truth. It may change someone's eternity. It may change the whole course of their life and so forth. But these sins are just stacking up. And again, we're, we're in a world that's just so violent. And you look at the sexual sins, you think of the days of Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah, which again, the, the, the end of the age is compared to that time. And then in Noah's age, it was marked by thoughts continually on evil, as well as great violence in the land. And uh, you know how, how could, I'm sure everyone is aware of, again, the shooting there in, in Texas and so forth. And I don't know all the details of that. I'm not on the ground there, neither are you. But, you know, what? The, the, that, the violence like that and the murder and, you know, the kid that supposedly did these things, he's this confused trans, they show him in a cheerleading outfit or something. It's a, it's a boy. And I think, who's the liar that told him that? What's the teacher that told him that? Who's the professional counselor or the woke, you know, wise one that seeded those lies into that kid's heart? And, you know, we, we got some real issues in this country with these things. We really do. And look at, I'm a, I'm a big pro Second Amendment guy. I, I believe that the founding fathers were right, that, you know, when a government becomes tyrants, that the people should be able to overthrow them. And boy, there's a lot of chatter about that these days. I pray to God that, you know what, we never end up in a civil war. I, I, I pray that there's a revival far before that. But listen, we got a problem though. We need to be truthful about this. And again, I'm totally for the second amendment. But when you got a, 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 a nation that is so immoral, because those same founding fathers said, look at this constitution works for God fearing people but you give this to people that don't fear god you're going to have some problems on your hands and like oh we need some solutions i got a solution i got a solution right now a practical solution that could help so much we're going to ban hollywood for making any more movies with murders and we're going to get rid of every video game that has killing in it but you're never going to hear that right you're never going to hear that because those are the you know, those are, the, those are the artists, and so those are the informed people. But, but again, you, you, you seed that in. Whatever a man sows, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows is going to reap. And then again, this is where as the church, look at we, we can say amen to that, but as a church, how do we live our lives? Amen. What are we seeding into our life? Are we in the world? You know what? We're in the world, but are we of the world? Do we look just like them and so forth? Because if you think, oh, but you know, that ain't gonna affect me, you're fooling yourself. The Lord said, don't be deceived. 
Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Well, I got freedom in Christ. This isn't legalism. It isn't. We got freedom in the Lord. You're free in the Lord, but you better believe whatever you sow, you're gonna get, you're gonna reap it. And if you wanna sow that nonsense and that entertainment and all that junk all day long, just sow, I got freedom. And you do, you got freedom. You got, you're gonna sow it though, you're gonna reap whatever you sow, the fruit of your life. Look, you wanna be in the world but not of it? Sow the things of God in your life. Be a man or woman of prayer. Be a man or woman of the word. You don't miss days. You don't take days off. You see the things of God in your life, not out of a law, but out of a call to serve the living God in a time such as this. Help us, Lord, in that. So again, the judgment finally comes, though. Sin finally reaches to heaven. And notice, God has remembered her iniquities. Praise God in Christ. Our sins are remembered no more. Positionally, we're right. Practically, again, practically, we're a work in progress. And then we see in verse six, render to her just as she rendered to you, repay her double according to her works. And the cup she has mixed, mixed double for her. And we saw in the word that again, in the Old Testament, you wanna steal some guy's cow, guess what? You're gonna pay two cows back. And that's done to try to put a fear in men from keeping their mitts off other people's cows. <laughs> Understanding, look at you wanna, Sin, it's not just going to be, you know what, whatever you take, it will be taken. It's going to cost you more. And God doing that, wanting to really show men the consequences of sin to even bring them to faith in the Lord. And then verse 7, in the measure that she glorified herself. And boy, isn't that our world today? Men striving to bring glory to themselves, to be noticed by others and so forth. Look at, if you get hooked on that, Step back from that and let's make our aim to be before the Lord. Let's get noticed by the Lord, not even the sense of God, look at all that I'm doing. But how about just notice at his feet, like, you know what, Mary, who was at the feet of the Lord versus Martha running around, even chirping at the Lord because Mary's not doing what she's doing where everyone's noticing it and so forth. But glorifies herself, again, gives no glory to God that's such a mark in our world today. And then we spend a lot of time on this lived luxurious, luxuriously. I, I, can't, I still can't say it. Lived in luxury. There you go. So um, in the sense of just for the five senses, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. It's so much culture today, pleasure seeking. Again, God gives us things to enjoy. God blesses us with many pleasures Look at we better say amen to that. But when those things become our God, when that's what we live for, when that's what our life is all about, that's a pathetic picture really is what it is. It absolutely is. Versus living for God Almighty. And even we talked about that call at times to afflict our soul, that time to fast, to not you know, give in to every whim of the flesh so we can be a spirit-led people, not a carnal or a fleshly-led people. That's our world around us. You know, it's an angry world, and anger generally is the response when someone does not get their way and they're fleshly. So I'm gonna blow up, you know, I'm a temper tantrum as a grown man or whatever. How much better to walk in the spirit, to be in it and not of it, 
to see a different response because we know we have all that we need pertaining to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. So again, the judgment. In the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I'm a widow, and I see no sorrow. And again, you see the pride of the heart. And I think, you know what, I look at this and I, I think a lot about our own nation. And I'm not saying our nation is Babylon, but you know, people always ask, where's America in prophecy? And probably the best argument that I hear of America and end times prophecy is this economic system. Now I know that, that, that we're sinking fast in that area, but I'll tell you for a lot of years, a good argument could put forth. And it's not saying that America won't be around at the end either because as I've shared before, the Bible doesn't revolve around America. We don't say, well, you know what, in the English, in the original English, and, and a lot of people think that. And that's why even there in our studies in Romans, we've been trying to educate the Gentile mind that, you know what, God chose Israel to bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ and to look at her role in things and so forth. But again, I think in our nation, because we're so isolated from so much of the world and have been blessed so much, there's many that take on this mindset of, look at we're always gonna be, but go look at the history of the world. Every kingdom, when it just starts losing sight of God and it gets more and more carnal and wicked and it becomes about bread and circuses, which is kind of where we are now, where it's about, you know what, feeding those little, those little pleasures and bringing entertainment with a completely, you know what, immoral, uh, uh, you know what, viewpoint and so forth, judgment always comes. And sadly, I just think our nation, it, it's, it's, a, a, it's a picture of, of so much of the world. So notice verse eight, therefore her plagues will come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, and she'll be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. So in one day, in one hour, literally everything judges or everything changes. Self-glorification, comfort, luxury is replaced by death, mourning, and famine. And this is a world right now that, yes, there are so many, and it seems like people are coached up for the most part by the world to seek self-glorification, comfort and luxury it seems like that's the measure of success for individuals and people groups but it says it's going to be replaced with death mourning and famine again it seems like there's an increase of of people making that their chief aim self-glorification comfort and luxury and at the same time it just seems like we're in a world where death mourning and famine are increasing at the same time as well really are and even right now even talks of of you know, at famine in various places and potential famine, uh, even in our nation. You know what the best way to prep for famine is? Seek the Lord Jesus Christ every single day of your life. Fear God. I'm not saying there aren't practical things, but you can do all the practical things in the world. And if you're not living for the Lord, doing the things he's called you to be doing, it's all for nothing. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the best way to prep. Make Jesus your refuge at every single turn. And say, look at all this other stuff. It's blessing, it's bonus. But even if it's all stripped away and I'm just, you know what, off in some wilderness as I seek the Lord, if God needs to send the ravens, we talked about Elijah recently, to, to feed me, he's gonna do it. And if he needs to lead me to a widow, 
with a kid who says, hey, we're, we got a little bit of flour and oil. We're about to eat it and die. You say, well, make something for all of us. And you watch the Lord provide and the Lord stretch out. Those accounts aren't in the Old Testament for entertainment purposes. They're there to build our faith and to show us who our God is. So again, in one hour, everything changes. And I, I don't have the time to read it tonight, but in Luke 12, the Lord spoke a parable of a, of a certain rich man. And it says that his ground was plentiful. And this man was abounding. You know what? He was prosperous, which is a gift from God. But instead of glorifying God, he says, you know, what am I going to do? Because I got so many crops. I got a good idea. I'm going to tear down my barns and build new barns. And God says to him, fool, don't you know that tonight your life is required of you? And in one hour, bam, everything changes just like that. Look, at I, I want to encourage you to do this. I encourage you to do this at night when you're laying in bed and everything's quiet. And you can lay there and if you listen, you'll hear your heart beating. You'll hear your heartbeat. Look at deal with the reality that that heartbeat that you're hearing can stop at any single time. And life can be over at any moment. You're like, oh man, this guy's a death, you know, a, a, a death preacher up here. What's wrong with this guy? Look at we're dealing in realities. Every beat of that heart is a gift from God. But here's the thing, it can end at any time. Praise God tonight, if you're in Christ, you know where you're gonna go in the Lord Jesus Christ to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord in Christ. But at the same time, again, we only get so many steps. Our, beat, our heart's gonna beat so many times and I guarantee in heaven it has, you know, somewhere up there, there's a ledger, God knows in his mind that he knows the exact amount of time our heart's gonna beat. And we might be thinking, look, I got millions of more heartbeats and so forth. But what if you looked up there today and it said, you know what, 230,017. That's not a lot. If your heart beats 70 beats per minute, start doing the math. You're gonna go, oh my goodness. You know, what if it says 2,000? You know, what, what, what if it, 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 it says 8,000? The Lord knows the point being that, again, in one hour, everything changes for Babylon and for all of us in one hour, the time's gonna come when everything's gonna change. We're gonna stand before the Lord. You know what? Again, I hope and pray everyone here is trusted in Jesus Christ because we are sinners. The wages of sin is death. God's not bringing death and rebellion and the glory, but he sent his son to die for our sins, to atone for our sins. He rose from the dead and he defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope you've called on the name of the Lord. And if you haven't, now's the time of salvation. Today is the day. Now's the time to call on the Lord. And so notice here again, and one day, those plagues are gonna come. We'll see in a minute, it talks about one hour and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And maybe some would say, oh man, God, yeah, God's a bully. Yeah, look at God, boo, God. But look how long it took for those sins to reach heaven. Look at the wickedness of the world. So, oh, if, there's, oh, if there's a God, why is this all here? Because God created man with a free will. Well, I don't like that. Well, he could have made you that chair right there. That chair's subject to you sitting on it right now. It has no say in the matter. We're created in the image and likeness of God, and you better believe that's a gift from God Almighty. 
And in that, a free will came. And we know how the account goes. Man chose to be his own God, to listen to the serpent instead of God who made him and put him into a place of paradise and ate of that tree saying, I'll do as I will. And God is not a liar, spoke truth when he said, if you eat of that tree, you're gonna die. And we know a curse came on this world. And from that time to now, we have seen men moving in vanity, moving in self-glorification, moving in, you know what, wanting to be little deities and so forth, and they've come and gone. But Jesus Christ made that way for sins to be washed and forgiven and be made right with God Almighty. I hope you know him. And listen, if you know him, abound in him and grow in him. So notice it says, and she will be utterly burned with fire. This is a picture, a preview of hell, an eternal torment. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. And yet there's so many people running around, you know, thinking they're mightier than God, thinking that, you know, they're gonna judge God. But look at the word here, strong. It's also the word stronger. For stronger is the Lord God who judges her. And you do remember that being, again, in the world, but not of it, that greater, can we say amen to this tonight? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God's stronger. Remember that even when the odds seem so stacked against you. Maybe when you feel like you're alone on an island and wherever you are wanting to represent the Lord and the enemy, look at, he loves to come in and paint this picture of Jesus and him arm wrestling and it's a big battle here and so forth. I've, I've, have you ever seen those drawings? And the world's here and it's Jesus and the devil. Like, bro, who, who, who came up with that nonsense? This is, this is utter foolishness. This is God Almighty. There ain't no yin and yang going on here. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And again, he's stronger than all this. And his mercy and grace has allowed all this to continue. And so the person they get, oh, God's judging. No, God's given grace and mercy, laid down his life. And if you keep rejecting it, rejecting and rejecting it, yes, the day will come when God is going to judge that. But that's a choice made. I said it many a time and I firmly believe it. There will not be anyone who hell, in hell that did not cho- choose to go there. You think about it. We thought about this last week and considered it. You really believe God who cares more about anyone's salvation than any of us ever have. Even the person you love the most, God cares more about their eternal soul than we can even begin to muster up concern I mean, he sent his son to die for those sins. You think God, if he knew, look, at this guy lives three years longer, he'll get saved. You think God will cut him off three years earlier? I guarantee you, the Lord's faithful to every person to give them ample opportunity. And when they pass, it's because their decision has been made. Absolutely. Notice what it says next year. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously, I got it out. I said, I'm too fast. I got to slow down. With her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. So again, these are kings, rulers of the earth who commit spiritual, you could say mental or soulish or physical fornication and that they don't worship God they worship these things as their God, material things. And yet these gods that they worship 
are burnt with fire. Again, they lived a life of rebellion against God. They lived for passing pleasures. And now you see them weeping and mourning, not over their sin, but seeing their God burning. Seeing again, the queen that they bent knee to being taken down, yet it all could have been avoided if they would have bent knee to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 10, it says, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, notice for in one hour, your judgment has come. As they're standing at a distance out of fear, no doubt these at a distance, you know, their judgment is coming right on the coattails of this. Just read through the next chapter. It's coming very quickly. But they stand in a fear. So much better to stand in faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if fear always brings torment, faith brings liberty. Faith in the Lord brings liberty. And we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And again, this torment here. Again, it begins here on earth, but these are people that have shunned the Lord. These are people that have taken that mark. These are people that have bought into that lie of self-deity and so forth, and God has given them every opportunity to turn to him. We've seen it throughout the book where they're seeing plagues, angels are preaching, two witnesses, 144,000 servants of God evangelizing, great earthquakes, plagues and so forth and yet time and time again outside of a remnant we see repenting through the tribulation it says instead they go underneath the rocks and cry out for them to fall on them versus bending knee to the rock of ages the lord jesus christ so the cry comes out alas alas or it's like the idea boy it's been a long time coming and it's finally happened the mother of all harlots uh, you know what going back now to that religious system that there's a mix into the economic system and the, you know, the, the, the government and so forth, this three-legged juggernaut that has been a liar for, you know, at ages, generation after generation, it's God saying it's finally time to wind all this down. And you look at the world today and I look at it and I think, how, how much longer can this go? Uh, because the mindset right now of kings and rulers, with a few exceptions, wanting to, again, throw off the ordinances of God, the way that God has, you know what, told us to run cultures and societies, even basic things like gender and reproduction and uh, the spilling of blood being sin and so forth. I mean, just just... Again, living for self and pleasure versus selfless. And uh, it's really Romans 1 where there's such a lack of thanks to God and gratitude and kindness. That can only go so far before it's finally going to completely implode. And in fact, the scripture says, unless God intervene, there'd be no flesh left on earth. And, and you know what, may, maybe I'm, I'm just out of the loop or something, but I just look, and we talked about it last week, how you look from right now to two years ago on how much more wicked this world is. And if you go the two years back from that, again, how much more wicked it was. But 
I'll tell you, these last two years, it's a bigger leap than those previous two years. And then those, pre- it's like, it's not, it's more than, they say every year knowledge doubles, like or it's every six months, the knowledge of man doubles. Uh, right now in the world, which is a prophecy and Daniel talks about knowledge increasing. But look at, if you got no wisdom, that doesn't do you any good. But I'll tell you, wickedness, it, it's doing that at least as well. And, and you, can't, you can't keep going down this road where it just seems like most of the world's all in on it without it either coming to an end on its own, but we know that won't be the case. God is finally gonna come down and judge it and wrap it all up and praise God soon here in Revelation. We'll look at the millennial reign of Christ. What a glorious, glorious time that's gonna be and you better believe it's coming. Verse 11 says, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore. And how sad here are these men and what are they weeping about? They're weeping for themselves, not having a buyer of their stuff versus weeping over their sin. You think they'd be lamenting and mourning by we're adulterers, we shun the living God. That judgment we're seeing on this, it's about to come upon our heads. But again, to the very end, so many are faithful to their sin, to their idols, and so forth. No godly sorrow whatsoever, but instead completely worldly sorrow. Again, the merchants of the earth, they have no more buyers. Amazon's out there mourning. Walmart's out there mourning. Apple's out there mourning. Pfizer's out there mourning. They're weeping. Oh, no one else left to buy our goods our wares and so forth again just really feeling sorry for themselves self-centered versus weeping over their sin versus weeping over another's you know at death or difficulty or plight boy isn't that so opposite of jesus jesus was going to the cross and always all the only thing he was concerned about was others looked on the masses and had compassion on him. He didn't feel sorry for himself at all, but he went willingly to lay down his life to save souls. Oh Lord, help us to be more like you in these things. And then notice verse 12 through 13. And what you're gonna see here is primarily luxury items. They lived for luxury. These are primarily luxury items items versus beans and rice and things needed just to live and again it's not to say that there's not a place for these types of gifts and so forth the problem is is when they become our god and our master passion and everything else when we don't use what's in our hand to bring glory to god you know even with a heart of gratitude and wanting to provide for our homes and so forth but notice merchandise of gold and silver. I'm not gonna break down everything here. That just, I, I don't wanna do that. And you're like, please don't. But gold and silver, I'll, I'll mention a few things here though. Precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every, to, every kind of cetron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots. And it seems like nowadays even 
meat and cattle and wheat becoming more of a, you know, someone told me the other day they were in the supermarket and they went to the meat section. They said literally half the things in that meat section was not real meat. It was like imitation meat there in the meat market. So um, myself, I'm not a fan of the Incredible Burger. Like, no, get, get it out. You know, Pretty frightening when the biggest farmer in America is Bill Gates. <laughs> the Bible even talks about in the last days, the forbidding of eating of meat. So we still might have some prophecies still unfolding. And I, I think that one's probably in the process right now of, of, of unfolding and so forth. Uh, so you see all those things. Again, this is their master passion. They bow to these things without, they don't have breath. Uh, they're watching these things. Again, uh, really, really the, the pleasure that these things brought to them is, is being stripped from them. Again, these things can, can only bring so much joy. God brings a joy unspeakable and full of glory that's just eternal. And, and I, I, I don't want to read it because I want to spend the, the, the remaining time focusing more on something else. But it's interesting, Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen it talks about the kings that would eventually be over Judah. And he tells them not to multiply horses, uh, gold, or wives for himself, lest it would be to their demise. And you think about King Solomon multiplied all those things and it didn't bode well for him. And praise God, look at God, again, gives us things to enjoy. The, the Bible talks a lot about ownership of properties and homes and so forth. I mean, in that millennial reign of Christ, a man's gonna build his own house and live in it. And he's gonna plant his own vineyard and drink from it. Again, that's gonna be natural men in that time. We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ in that time, a part of all. That's God's heart and mind, absolutely. That a man would labor and be able to benefit from those labors. But this here is complete idol worship. It's saying, look at the more, we get more of this, we'll finally, finally be happy. And Solomon, again, was given so much wisdom and he was in such a great place to be abound in the Lord. And yet he started marrying all those foreign women and begin to worship their gods and store up horses and gold and all this and it did them no good in fact it split the kingdom of israel is what it ended up doing and again it's that call to seek first god's kingdom to do things god's way it always 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 works better now again i've touched on this i've mentioned it several times in this study referring to this passage it's been pointed out and I think it's accurate that this list seems to go from the things most valuable to them to the least most valuable. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's all a playing field or whatever. Regardless of that, notice what the last two things said are, bodies and souls of men. Again, it's a world right now marked greatly by human trafficking modern day slaves, people owned by others. And I don't think the statistics even begin to really break it down because I think more and more even governments are striving instead of being blessings for its citizens, instead to enslave them and to treat them like cattle. And there's such a devaluing of human life in this world. And, and again, you see it. Look at this state. When this state is saying, hey, we want to pass a law that 
you know, a baby once it's born, if it's killed in the first seven days, it has no rights and we're not even gonna investigate that. That's, that's just horrifically, horrifically wicked on every level. And again, that doesn't even fall in line of our constitution, which is not the Bible, just so you know tonight. I know some people put that above the Bible. Don't be doing that. But when do your rights begin to kick in? Is it day eight? You know what? It's insanity. But there's such a low view on life. And these things are just exploding in this world that we're in. Uh, you know, the question can be asked, what's human trafficking? And, I, and again, I think where it says bodies and souls of men, it, it's, it's human trafficking to a degree. I think it's far beyond anything probably that we can actually, um, you know what, fully cover. But I'm sure that's a phrase that the minimum you've heard before. Uh, one of the definitions of that, this is from the United Nations, not that I'm a fan, but it says the act of recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons by the means of threat or the use of force or other forms of corrosion. I'm I'm all over the place. Corrosion, thank you. Of abduction, of fraud, of deception, of the abuse of power or of a position of vulnerability or of giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control over another person for the purpose of exploitation. And, you know, they break down various categories of this, forced labor being one, sex trafficking being the bigger, and then even some smaller categories, forced marriage, forced criminal activities, child soldiers, and organ harvesting. Um, There's statistics on this. I, I don't know how these could be even accurately compiled, but the numbers in themselves are astronomical and uh i i I know the the data behind this is is solid you'll see it consistently uh there in your notes i have where i got these statistics from just in case you want to go fact check pastor steve you're welcome to do that because every once in a while i get a wise guy where do you get that from well look at that you'll see that there in your notes but they say around the world there's an estimated 40.3 million victims trapped in modern day slavery including 24.9 million in forced labor and 15.4 million in forced marriage. Uh, 5.4 victims of modern slavery for every thousand people in the world. That's quite a few. And again, I think these are low numbers. And in my opinion, I see most governments, I mean, is, is all of North Korea included in that? I doubt it. I mean, you look at some of these states or the, some of these nations and so forth. Um, one of four victims of modern slavery are children. 71% are women and girls. And it just makes me sick. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, the mark of a nation, of a world that is, is, has judgment coming soon is their treatment of women. Because when the women are always treated bad, I'll tell you what it is, it's the men not being men. And when all of a sudden now a man can say he's a woman, boy, that really isn't loving women whatsoever. And all these people, look at their math never works out. I'm a feminist, you know, I'm fighting for, you know what, my position to be like a man. And again, there has been a lot of oppression of women. The Bible was very liberating in its day and is for women. 
So don't get me wrong on that. But now all of a sudden this dude shows up and all of a sudden I got all those rights too. And they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, well, I got to go along with the most current wokeness. I guess I got to back that. And again, for men just to stand by and let that happen, let some dude go to some swim meet, the men should have went down and grabbed that dude by the ear and dragged him out of the pool and said, go back to the men's team over there where you're, where you're, where you're like sub JV. Don't get me started here. Look at the statistics go on and on. Uh, between 2012 and 2019, 89 million people experienced some form of modern slavery. And again, the biggest exploit of this is sex trafficking for means of, again, uh, prostituting people against their will. They say that traffickers make about $150 billion a year. I, I, I really think these numbers are on the lower end. This stuff happens in our own county. Our state by far has the highest uh, reports of human trafficking. And again, I know a lot of this stuff, blind eyes get turned to it because you start thinking of these things and you, thought, thought, you know, people think of the, the seedy guy, you know, cooking meth there in the, in the back of the lab and no doubt there's some of that. But oftentimes these are people that are high ups in the cultures and society. Go, go start looking how many citizens of the year end up being pedophiles and part of human trafficking. It's quite common. Oftentimes people that are unsuspecting and I even mentioned earlier, you know, at the Southern Baptist Convention, and I'm not by any way broad brushing that whole group, a lot of wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord, but that group, they have a, it's, it's brought out that the leadership had a file of, of so many pastors abusing people in their churches and just turning a blind eye to it where people would say, you know, never this guy, never this guy. But again, so much of modern Christianity is about nickels and noses and even young men, women going into Bible college and being taught success is how popular you are. Tell people what they wanna hear and they'll come back. Generally, those are false prophets in the Bible. <laughs> They're telling Jeremiah to shut his mouth. Maybe some of you here tonight are like, I don't, I don't like any of this. You're not comforting me. My job is not to comfort you when it comes to your eternal soul. It's to preach Jesus that you can get born again to get real comfort. So again, they, they, these things just are exploding. And then I really believe what falls in this as well is child abuse. And look at the statistics for this is off the charts our, our nation is just so broken in this area. They say one in three girls and about one in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. Tons of statistics. You can go look those up. I really don't want to read them all because I'm sickened by it. But it goes on to talk about how most of these things are never even reported. They're never even brought out. And oftentimes when they are, nothing comes out of it. And generally, the high percentage of children that say this happened, again, when it's actually investigated, always ends up being the case. The ones that aren't usually when it's an adult involved just trying to, you know what, try to ruin someone else's life versus coming firsthand from the witness of a child. 
And I know for a lot of people, you know, these things happen to their own kids. And generally it is people that are known by that family and so forth. And oftentimes the parent will even step back and go, look, at, is this worth pursuing because of all the added trauma that it might, might happen to my child after we live through all these things? Look, at this. this is a culture that we're in right now that's just so damaged by all of this stuff. And again, look, at you can't, you can't treat women and children and spill blood and abandon the ordinances of God and not expect for a judgment to come. We gotta be praying for our country. We need to be standing up and speaking truth in these things. You need to keep an eye on your kids. You really do. As a church, we, we try to work hard to background check and have people in the parking lot. And men in this church, you need to step up and help with that stuff. When we say we need help in the parking lot, talking to you. We need guys rotating out there and so forth. And again, bottom line, unless the Lord watches over the house, the watchman watches in vain. But I'll tell you, the Lord's watching over this house. I do know that. So again, bodies and souls of men, you could even get into the, the, the selling of, of baby body parts and so forth. It's just sick. It, even, it comes out and nothing even happens. Bomb shall report. And I'm at the point now where like, it doesn't matter. Anyone can be held accountable. Planned Parenthood is a satanic group. They just keep chugging away. But I'm gonna tell you, judgment is a coming. It absolutely is. Started by a racist, just so you know, Margaret Sanger, who said black people are like weeds of the earth that need to be eradicated. So that's who you're standing with if you're for that nonsense. You're a man, you can't talk. You better believe I'm gonna talk and I'm gonna defend women. And men that tell me or women that say not to talk, well, I'm gonna keep talking anyway because I'm gonna give judge, I'm gonna stand before God Almighty. I don't care what any women say. Three quarters of babies aborted generally are women, so I'm speaking for them. Verse 14. You're like, you're preaching to the choir, Steve. We'll close on this, come back to it next week. I get fired up. You should be fired up about this. If you're not fired up about it, you need to get fired up. I rebuke you if you're not fired up. In Jesus' name. Dude, you got no pulse on this stuff? This should be stirring our heart to prayer, to action, to speaking out, to be a people of prayer and so forth. Look, if you're like, I just want to be entertained, then go somewhere else. We're going to preach the Bible here and really encourage one another, Lord Jesus Christ, because we're going to stand before him. And there's a lot of joy in this place and smiles and laughs, and I love all that too. But we need to put him first, amen? amen. Verse 14 and we'll come back to it, but notice the fruit of your soul, the, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid are gone from you and you shall find them no more at all. It's all gone. It's all wiped away. You're not gonna find it any anymore. But praise God, look at we're gonna live for eternity with the giver of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we bless you and praise you. We thank you for your great goodness, grace, mercy, and love for us. Lord, we need your help desperately. God, we're a people that need your grace. Again, we need your mercy. Lord, we need your help. Lord, help us, God. Let us be found a people growing in you. Lord, I thank you that you're patient with us, you're long-suffering, Lord, towards us. God, I hope and pray that even opening the word tonight stirred our heart. You know, God, not only concerning this world around us that needs to be prayed for, that needs to hear the truth, 
They don't need the church balling up in a corner somewhere or speaking in a manner not offending them. The gospel's an offense to those that are perishing, but it's life to those who put faith in Christ. So help us, God, in that. And help us in our walks, God. Because, Lord, I know every soul in here is bombarded by these things and bombarded by temptations. And, Lord, we're a people that get coached up continually just to live for temporary pleasures and, Lord, indulgences and so forth. Lord, I pray, God, that we would put you first in all things so that even in those things you give us to enjoy, Lord, we would enjoy them in a manner that would bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, we desperately need help. I need help, God. Meet us where we're at, Lord. Lord, tonight, God, absolutely, we wanna pray for your grace and mercy on this land. Oh, Lord, God, we need a revival in this land. We desperately, desperately need it, God. Oh, Lord, God. Please shine your face on us. Forgive us of our sin, God. And look at if you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord. You need to get saved because your last heartbeat might be tonight. Your last steps might be to your house tonight. And look at maybe you get 30, 40, 50 more years, but the day's coming. I hope and pray we all know him here tonight. But if you don't, it's time to call on the Lord. It's time to get born again. It's time to quit living for sin and self and the luxuries and little pleasures and little dainties and trinkets and all this nonsense and make your life count in living for the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. Look at the things he has for you so much better. Life and abundant life is found in God Almighty. Call on him. We thank you. We praise you, God. Bless the rest of our evening. Thank you for all these saints here. Bless each one where they are in a great and a mighty way. Lord, shine your face upon your people. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.